0: Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the tirade-filled movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. I'm, I still know Kung Fu, Will Johnson. Ooh, he knows Kung Fu. We're damn glad you seem like a, no, but you seem more (laughs) like a Poe from Kung Fu Panda kind of guy when it comes to Kung Fu. Just saying. (laughs) No, I,
1: I've been accused of that in the past, I'm sure.
0: Okay. Well, pandas aside, kung fu included, we're damn glad to have you folks. Ladies and gentlemen, this is all for tantrum's sake. We're shared passions and high fives to wash away any place for hate. In the end, we encourage you all to love what you love, but for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. This week, we might just have our first one in a long time, a double hater edition. (laughs) Folks, we're here for the Matrix Resurrections from Warner Brothers and the... This is just from Lana Wachowski, correct? Not both? Correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. Our format here is this, the recommending lever, or at least the highest attempter of such. will go first. They will get five uninterrupted minutes to shower their case praise or otherwise. And the hater, who will scorch this son of a bitch down, will go for five uninterrupted minutes afterwards. After that, we're going to have a double hate discussion likely more than 15 minutes where the hissy fit will get really chippy folks get your 90s hipsters references and let's go huh right yeah, yeah. <laughs> well okay i'm just gonna start off right. no no i got the lever spot i'll go in i'll, I'll take that spot here
1: oh you're going first okay
0: cool yeah remember you're you're the better hater let's do I this i forget i
1: forget all right
0: so i i haven't written my review of this yet i just watched it yesterday i don't know if i'm going to get to the point of writing this but the thing that comes to mind that I'll put my five minutes towards is, is the worthwhileness of undoing a pretty solid ending. And I'm going to reference toy story Four here for a second. I, I, I get shit from my peers and my friends because I'm one of the very few people on rotten tomatoes who gave toy story Four a two star rotten review. I have the hate, the hate mail comments to prove it. Um, Where to me, I asked myself about that movie of, was it worthwhile? You have not saying that the matrix first trilogy is the most perfect thing in the world, but you had a super definitive, you know, big hope, eternal, you know, wide ranging effects, conclusion and ending that was pretty damn well defined in terms of spoiler alert, both characters being dead are two linchpin characters of Trinity and Neil. So, and, I'll channel this to Toy Story 3, Toy Story 3 to Toy Story 4, where to me, one of the most perfect endings you could ever have in all time is Toy Story 3 of the baton passing of those toys from Andy to a new owner where Andy's, you know, arc is closed where, you know, it's that wonderful moment where that we all have of growing up and putting childish things aside, whatever Bible verse you want to put there. And, it, you know, you pass it on where you know they're going to have further adventures, but you know what? It was a good ride. This is far enough. And you have a button perfect ending of Toy Story 3. Why in the hell would you reopen that to tell some shitty little side story? And To me, Toy Story 4, as nice as it was made and a fun little cast, is just not worth undoing a really solid and definitive ending. That's how I feel about the matrix resurrections is if you're going to revisit and come back to this big property, this big world and undo what looked like a pretty definitive, you know, pound the table ending to tell this, get the fuck out of here. Cause this is some loose, messy, wishy washy. I, I'm not the guy who normally does this and calls this up, but nostalgia baiting, dumb reference stuff where, It's just a soft shower of bouquets to old stuff that was done better earlier. And I know that if you, there's a story in here somewhere that does work about, you know, if if being yanked back into a simulation and what would that simulation look like later, if it it evolved further, if the bad guys got better about beating the humans and and Neo was the place that they proved that they can stamp out the human resistance and put you all back in your places, so to speak. If there's a story there to do that, but to do it with the, like, and we're going to talk about in our 15 minutes, but, um, but to do that with this like winking smile of self-awareness of of studio control and trilogy bait and why would you redo this thing and oh you're doing all the same things the same or making the same mistakes twice if you're going to do that that's like adam mckay kind of satire that's not the matrix the matrix is social commentary and and it's 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 firebrand whatever you want to call it, embedded politics was not a finger pointing style of politics. It was inlaid into the behavior of the characters and the oppression of what that story was. It wasn't a, hey, look at me and all the things I'm trying to say, like this movie is, where it's making no effort to camouflage this into a larger, bigger thing like good science fiction should. This felt like an Anima McKay movie for the first half hour and it <laughs> felt just weird and dumb and it didn't get better because and I'm going to get shit for this but I've never found Keanu Reeves to be a very impactful actor. He he is kind of the surfer dude whoa thing. Now that's his thing and he's really good at his thing about like the stoic zenness. But when you need him to emote and do something a little shakier or stronger he can't do it. Uh, the the most animated I've ever seen him is maybe like The Devil's Advocate, and that was a fun little time, and, and it got a decent little performance for him. But even then, it was unconvincing. But I just don't take him to be a a romantic lead and longing lover that they turn him into in this movie. It, it, oh. and I know this is the John Wick version of of, a, of an improved and evolved Counterweight. We we'll just let him kick ass. Don't put him in this mopey dope thing, and ah, oh, this is a messy, messy movie. Somewhere in here, like I'm trying to say, there's a story worth telling, and, and and a shred where you can kind of expand and maybe get something substantial that makes this worth undoing a trilogy for. It ain't the framing device, and it ain't the acting. I don't know, man. If I know, I don't sound like a lover. It tried. I, there's some effects and cool stuff, but this is not the kind of time capsule I was looking to come back for.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Before I start my five minutes, I just want to say in defense of Keanu Reeves a little no, bit. No, no, I knew
0: it was coming. I, knew I, it was coming. Think,
1: I think he is a friend of mine, an actor friend of mine named Matt. He always said whenever Keanu is in a situation in which he doesn't know what's going on, <laughs> that's where he excels because he's kind right. of like, what, you know,
0: yeah.
1: um, when he is asked to be more confident, he, he is a little bit better. Now I will say he does have the potential to be a romantic lead. He I was like very it. good in, uh, he was very good in um, something's got to give. Yeah, here's like a doctor. Nice little but it, that isn't demanding a lot emotionally. No. It's just him being kind of a pleasant person. And, he and
0: is pleasant looking star. as hot as Keanu Reeves does. Like, no right. no doubt about it. Easy in the eyes. He is the sweetest smelling, most supple, smooth piece of wood you can have in a movie. Don't get me Yeah,
1: and, and also, he has moments. Like, uh, to me, in the first John Wick, the whole scene where he's like, yeah, I'm back. Like, like that thing I thought was a good performance. I'm not doing a good job of it. Like, he has, <laughs> yeah. he has his moments. But anyways, okay, I'm... I'm going to start my five minutes now.
0: Go for it. Go for it.
1: Now you said I'm going to eviscerate this thing. I'm not because I'm tired. I, I, I'm just the Matrix Resurrections is a movie of which of that something that tires me because it's you know how we've talked about this in sports, right? Like there's some teams out there that I wouldn't normally mind if it wasn't for their crazy fans. The Matrix has some of the worst apologists. It's, quote, it's actually brilliant, you just don't get it, fans out there, because, don't get me wrong, the first Matrix, not only is it an important film, it's an iconic film, it's also what, <laughs> what the Wachowskis seem to forget, and what everyone else seems to forget, is it's elegant and simple. The first Matrix is elegant and simple. It, yeah, sure, there's a lot of moving parts, but in the end, you understand, I can summarize the Matrix to you in two sentences it makes sense it has it just it just works because it's simple the sequels reloaded which i think is okay and revolutions which i think is god awful uh you know the the main problem with those films were is they said let's take the simple and over explain it so those two sequels have some interesting visuals they have some great fight sequences They all kind of feel like they're in the same universe, which is nice. Obviously, the budget went up a little bit, you know, on the two sequels. But it's just too much of characters standing around explaining how everything works. So when The Matrix Resurrections comes out, I I saw the previews and I thought, man, this has the potential to take this in another direction. And for the first 20 minutes of this film, and this is probably why I'm, I'm tired, because for the first 20 minutes of this film, I was energetic. I was excited because it was doing something different, truly different. Now, maybe not in the history of cinema, because to me, this was, in a sense, the opening two minute, or 20 minutes of this movie was, to me, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, which was the precursor to Scream, which took horror movies and flipped them on their head in terms of looking at them from the inside out, you know, reverse engineering them, whatever. This was like the Wachowski's Matrix, New Matrix. It was taking, it was a little too on the nose and made me realize how great of a director Wes Craven really was because that that movie is very subtle, whereas this one was like, hey, Warner Brothers wants to make another Matrix, but I I was still in it because I was like, okay, great, they're going to take what the Matrix has become, which is this cultural juggernaut which you have, all these differing views right you have the people that think the original is a classic and the sequel suck you have the people who defend the sequels and think they're better than the original it, and and then you have this thing they played really great with in the first 20 minutes where they talked about how you know there's literally people arguing like well the matrix is really just this and some people are like no it's deeper than that it's it's deeper it's it's means something it, it's important like It played with those dynamics and was like, okay, this is the Matrix as we see it now. This is how the Matrix has evolved. Let's move forward with that. But nope. After about 20 minutes, it becomes so realistic. And when I say realistic, I mean that they decide that the Matrix is real and we're going back into it, that it washes away all of the good deeds the first 20 minutes did. The first 20 minutes had the potential to make this a truly unique, electrifying experience, but instead they went back to their bullshit. I was telling friend of the show, Ben, who likes everything. He drives me nuts. (laughs) Like he'll fucking like squiggly lines on a TV for six hours. That's how much he likes. He was like, this movie's great. I'm like, shut the fuck up. So, but part of it was, I was like, I guess, I, I don't know which Wachowski it is off the top of my head. Lane and Wachowski, I believe. Basically, Mm -hmm. the head is so far up her ass at this point that she can see out of her mouth because they decided that instead of talking about how maybe the Matrix could be so simple and elegant and it is important and it's subtle and you don't over-explain everything, it doubles down on the explaining and it doubles down on how self-important and how amazing the Matrix is and how great the idea is and how wonderful the IP is and unique and special. And it believes it's, it believes its shit doesn't stink and it doubles down on it in this one. Maybe I'll give you a pass for those two sequels where you're like, okay, well, they're going to give us the money. We're going to do it. This one had what? 18 years Mm -hmm. to, to say something new. And with the exception of those first 20 minutes, it feels labored. It feels self-important. It feels like it thinks it's smarter than it is. And it's only going to rile up those annoying fans, just like of all the teams I don't like because of their fans that are going to say, well, it's truly a masterpiece that you just don't understand. No, I understand perfectly. It sucks. Okay, it takes itself too seriously. And I have gone way over my five minutes. So goodbye.
0: (laughs) All right, folks, we will break for a short announcement from our non-corporate partners and friends.
1: What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com.
0: No, I'm with you, Will. That the, the first 20 minutes, there there is potential. There, I call the 20 minutes a weird little angle because, yeah, like I I don't think the finger pointing, wink at the camera parts of the of the satire that was being developed in the first 20 minutes work, but it does count. Like you're talking about as something new, something different. Like if if the Matrix or whatever it is was going to evolve into that, and of course to have that be the inlaid thing happening in the you know, the, the make believe world that is the matrix that could play like that. It's a little too on the nose and all that, but that is saying something different where you can 18 years later, try to call out the blockbuster culture or sequel culture, or, or like you said, their own fandoms. Like there's, there's some balls there. I, I'll tip my hat to that. yeah, absolutely. But, but but then you're right. Like once it's go time or we have to run and go chase and and do all that. We're just back to the same shit we've seen before, where it, it doesn't change. and it doesn't change. And, and, there's, and there was, is was, and the overexposition you are spot on about because once Jonathan Graf's new agent Smith comes in and gets his speechifying going, if that was the only guy speechifying, I I could do that because you're going to always – it's the Matrix, and it's kind of where this is. You're always going to have one. And let's be honest, Hugo Weaving was the best person you could ever have Mm -hmm. weave the snake oil and pour the snake oil of exposition in our ears in the the way only he can. Jonathan Graff can't hold a torch to Hugo Weaving, but at least that's the spot where you're going to get it. But by the time NPH, you know, Neil Patrick Harris shows up, oh my gosh, insufferable because we've uh, and maybe this is because of mph too where we've seen too much chatty Kathy mph where i i i am sorry I, it's i see barney from from how i got your how i met your mother where yes we know an mph is really good at dialogue and can and can chat it up and be coy and be sly and be ruthless and be evil and i know he kind of got a moment to do that a little bit in gone girl but by the time that's your heavy it's just so unconvincing. Like you got it. You got to bring something ballsier, cooler than MPH.
1: It also, and and this is a weird argument to make because this is the main argument I had against Ghostbusters. Because mm-hmm. one of my problems with Ghostbusters was it decided to take the greatest hits of the first film and ignore mm-hmm. Ghostbusters 2 and the female Ghostbusters.
0: Yeah. Film.
1: So – this film, the problem with this film... Now, here's the thing about Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters 2 was still a hit, and it's very divisive in the community, but everybody knows it. Everybody's seen it. Right. Um, uh, the, the female Ghostbusters, everyone saw it and either hated it or loved it or whatever. The problem with this movie is it, it also relies on you... They, they think, the, the creators of this movie, they think those sequels are so memorable and good that there's all these emotional beats... Like, uh-huh. when, they, when they introduce Jada Pinkett Smith's character, who I yes. don't even remember her name, they give her, like, a Spider-Man No Way Home reveal. Like, I oh know. my god, it's you! And it's uh-huh. like, who the fuck cares? Yeah. Like, and, and then, like, when the Merovingian shows up, you're like, uh-huh. oh, the, that, that guy. guy. Yeah, that guy, like, yeah.
0: It, it, or, or Priyana, uh, I forgot how to say her last name, uh, chop, Priyana Chonix. Yeah, like her character was like somebody Neo meets for like two seconds at the end of the third movie, and we're supposed to be like, "Oh, her!" And of course, they have to overexplain it with all the little flickers oh and God. flashbacks.
1: She was, you know, a beautiful woman. She's got screen, she's got screen presence, mm-hmm. but like she was literally there to just dump stuff. And there's there's a lot. This is when the movie lost me officially. Was there was one part where it gives her that. Spielberg push in and it goes, Now all we have to do is hope. And I know. <laughs> and and then I was like, and I was like, for what? I don't even know what we're doing. Like I couldn't
0: even remember yeah. what we're hoping on. Like it, it didn't make any sense. And then so, you get to the hairblame, harebrained, harebrained plot of what it is, like to infiltrate all the way through to this one place where Trinity is to unplug her just the right kind of time and way in sync with the other things that are going on. yeah, uh, it's harebrained. I mean here's here's
1: the frustrating thing is intermixed throughout all this mess are some interesting ideas that i was like oh let's explore that like now the machines and the humans some of them like each other that makes mm-hmm. sense some still hate each other some like them i like that there was this war between the machines because they couldn't figure out what's going on with themselves yeah. it seemed very natural progression there and there's a great there's a great moment Where Neo kind of like puts his head on one of those big robot fish bird things, and Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, they're (laughs) having a connection, right? And they have this cool thing about, I say it's cool because it's cool in concept, like how like people can now choose to come in and out of the Matrix. So like they could be in the Matrix if they want to, but then they can have that kind of what's that thing called where you stick your hand, and it's like needles. You know, like it, it oh, makes like an impression.
0: Well it's like it's like pin toy thing. Like yeah, yeah. Pin,
1: yeah. like there, there was like kind of this pin toy thing where people could clock into the real world but still be in the matrix. I thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah, we call that ready player one in the in the other. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. But don't don't start. But uh no,
1: I <laughs> I, I just th- th- there were some cool looking things, but then it was just it got like I said, it just took itself too seriously, like no no no. The Matrix is what we're here for, and I'm mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, I'm like, no, because the Matrix has surpassed. It, it's,
0: I don't know, like, it's been a long eighteen years.
1: Another like, another good what, example would be is like this is still relevant. Another good example would be like Twin Peaks, right? Yeah. So so what anybody else other than David Lynch would probably do if they greenlit a season three of Twin Peaks. Is they would say, hey, let's capitalize on the 90s nostalgia, or let's get all the guest stars back and let's do this and let's do that. Mm-hmm. And David Lynch said, Hey, it's been like 20-something a year, 25 years, 25 years later. It's been 25 years. I don't want to play this nostalgia game. Let me do something completely insane that like when you watch like Twin Peaks the first two seasons and then Twin Peaks season three, you're like, what the fuck? Like, how the mm-hmm. hell? You know, but but it makes sense, but it doesn't. <laughs> like he he took he took the idea and he played the expectations of what fan culture is like, nostalgia culture is like, totally fucked with it, totally made his own thing that still works in that world but is completely separate. Yeah. And so Twin Peaks Season 3 for me is like a masterpiece of storytelling because it's like, here's what you think I'm gonna do, I'm not gonna do that. This movie tries to do that in the first 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and then completely abandons it to go back to the same bullshit it was doing in the sequence
0: i know because and there's and you gave her a lot of credit there's a young cast in here of new characters that mm -hmm. completely get tabled to give keanu and carrie and moss the full breadth of this story where like you said they start out like I like where they start where if this this new younger generation of people who are in this world of the Matrix, the, like you said, the back and forth that's possible of the different war between men and machines. If they're witnessing history repeating itself in, in certain little ways but without the overtness of, no, really, history is repeating itself. Here's Keanu. Here's Carrie Ann. Like mm-hmm. if, if you could tell a new generation story without so much reliance – And I know that's the bread and butter and the money you need to bring it. Like this movie does not get green lit with the Keanu Reeves. I get that. But if you, if you really did have the courage to do, to elevate and, and expand and evolve this further, the ballsy person of that would do that without Keanu and Carrie. Like they're dead, they're gone. But the, 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 the legacy of what they did reverberates to here and now and where this is going and you could still have MPH, you could still have this new agent Smith, but it wouldn't be so reliant as as if the only thing that could ever matter here is Trinity and Neo. And if that, if, if that's all this universe is, that's pretty flimsy.
1: And that's a great point you make because they try to have it both ways. They try Mm -hmm. to get you Kiana and Kyrian Moss back.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But then, and I don't mind this in theory, um, having a new Agent Smith, having a new Morpheus, having like a a, a protege of Trinity, so to speak, in Jessica Henwick, that's fine in theory because that's Mm -hmm. exactly what you were saying they would do if they had balls. Yeah, recast Agent Smith. That's ballsy. However... The problem is, is the way they're telling this story is the emotional beats um, mm-hmm. are so focused on the history of these characters. Like Agent Smith is referencing everything Hugo Weaving did. so
0: Everything. So yeah. when
1: you have scenes of them talking, I mean, I know it's a supposed to be a, I don't know what the term they use is, like a nodal or something, like a kind of an yeah. upgrade to it. I sure. get that. But when you're trying to connect them on an emotional level, having this new guy talking as if he like it's it's kind of like let's imagine let's talk about like Iron Man, right? Mm -hmm. Let's let's imagine that that Terrence Howard played Rhodey all the way through until Endgame, and then Endgame Mm. recast him into Don Cheadle. (laughs) Yeah, it would it wouldn't make any sense, right? It would feel so emotionally hollow. Yeah, this is what Matrix Resurrection is asking us to do with Morpheus. And especially Agent Smith, mm-hmm. it's saying, no, no, this is a new version of Agent Smith, but it's also the old one. And,
0: you know, they and, would have it, been better just bringing back Hugo Weaving, letting him play his age the way they let Arnold Schwarzenegger play his age in newer Terminator films. Because right. let's be honest, no one plays that as good as Hugo Weaving did. And no, if you're going full <laughs> nostalgia, just have Hugo Weaving show up, put a step man in place of him if he can't do the stunts that Keanu can, but you at least get. Well, a non-fake version, and this uh, is what I don't. Just, I,
1: yeah. And this is what I don't understand. And I was talking to some or
0: students, or you blow it up and you just don't try to be Agent Smith. You do something new, different, and better. Right. And the time jump, the time jump part here feels very alien, alien to aliens. Like Ripley's been asleep for forty years. Everything she knows is gone, and here we go. You know, and right. like I like that would have if you're going to do that. All right, have she can be an anchor to a past, but have everything further around her, and that doesn't happen here.
1: Yeah, and here's the thing. I, I, I'm, I'm sure the difference between a contract for appearing in a film and using your likeness is vastly different. But uh, it's not like it's not unless like it's Lawrence not, Fishburne,
0: and he'll tell us, huh? Well
1: that's, <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying is it's not like they're not making they're not paying them money already. So mm-hmm. because they've got to use Hugo Weaving's likeness in the film, and they've got yeah. to use Lawrence Fishburne. So why the hell not? Just mm-hmm. pay them a little bit more to be in the movie. Like that's what yeah. I don't understand. It's like you're already going to spend what? What do you get for that? Like half a million dollars or something for your image? I don't know, but
0: yeah, something you, yeah. you
1: get something. So what the hell? Pay him another half a million. Just say, hey, mm-hmm. we need you for a couple of days. Just come on the set. Yeah, like you know, it, it doesn't make any sense to me on that on that front. But let me let me talk. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Well, I'll do one thing on that where, especially because we're on Morpheus, like, Yaha, uh, I can't ever say it. Yaha, Yaha abdul the, the Second. Yeah, like, he, he's a he's a really cool actor to put in a movie like this. And obviously, we've seen him in Aquaman and Candyman in The Trial of Chicago 7, where he's a really good actor. But you pigeonhole him into this Morpheus sequel thing. Just let him be somebody different. Like, right. let him show his charisma, doing what he can do as this, like, converted agent- that is – that becomes – he can still be a Morpheus-like, guiding, pushing character, but don't make him a, a, a shell copy of it. Like, oh, it, like you waste a good actor and you waste a good spot by just and it's, too it's much imp- nostalgia.
1: And it's impossible to separate it from the original performance. Mm-hmm.
0: So because, just make up somebody new, you know? Exactly, exactly. Now,
1: there's two things I want to address. Uh, I want to get into them, so I hope you don't mind me spearheading this. But Fire away. The the first thing I want to address is we were talking in prior episodes about on The Last Duel and being the Ricardos, actually. Mm -hmm. We were talking about kind of the me-too-ness of everything and Ah. social justice. Here's the thing. This is another thing that I think is getting talked up a lot in the marketing and I think does exist. But because of the poor storytelling abandons the point now what i'm going to be talking about here is and this has a lot to do with the director one of the directors i think because i think one of the sisters decided not to do it which was a wise decision but (laughs) but you know lana wachowski is was formerly a male and is now trans is is a female i don't know how that works in terms of how to say it so forgive me if i'm being ignorant of it but uh she is a female now Mm -hmm. um one thing I've I've heard through discussions and everything is about how this film is very trans is is about the trans experience. Okay, I actually agree in a lot of ways because I was talking to a couple of critics about this. Uh, there's a strong aspect in the first 20 minutes. There's these little elements where, like you know, uh, Keanu Reeves is seeing himself as Keanu Reeves, but in actuality, he's somebody else. Like, you'll see these brief images of, like, him as, like, an older man. Right. Like, um, and there is this thing of him trying to escape his reality. Like, he's there's there's a scene that I found pretty compelling where he's at a party and he just starts suddenly walking off the roof, you know? There is a lot of metaphor for a trans lifestyle in that. Like, for the example of being trapped perhaps in a body that you're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. Or wanting to escape an environment that you you do not fit into. So I get that trans element. That makes sense to me. But I also think that people are saying, well, the entire film is this trans story. I'm like, no, they abandoned that too by Mm -hmm. going back to these basic stuff. Because all the great ideas are in those first 20 minutes. All Mm -hmm. of the great ideas. I mean, if this movie ended up being that the original Matrix was just a video game. And this guy is trapped in his head and doesn't mm-hmm. know who he is or what he is or what life is. If that was the whole movie, that this would have been a masterpiece That's of storytelling. That's courageous telling. stuff. That's I agree. courageous, ballsy stuff. But like I said, just like the the trans narrative, just like the commenting on fan culture, fan predictions. Uh, you know how academic this really is. The Matrix is one of those things where it's like you're either like, hey, it was a great movie. It was fun. It was elegant. It was simple. And then you got some people who are like, it's about the fall of Western civilization. like obnoxious. Yeah, head I, up your ass stuff. They uh-huh. they had all that stuff they could have commented on and had this great, subtle trans story. Mm-hmm. But it drives me nuts that everyone's just like, well, this is this is the ultimate movie about the trans experience. I'm like, it was for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't... I mean, do you see it as...
0: Having that tale to it? Uh, I, I Obviously, you know, you hear this about writers and creators where like, you know, you write and create what you know. And clearly in the 18 years since the first, since the initial trilogy, yeah, life has changed for the Wachowskis. And to have that be imprinted and and, and come out in your work, make, obviously makes sense do i feel like the torch is as 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 bright as they think it is <sighs> yeah i'm with you where like sure i'm i'll match you for the first 20 minutes of big ideas of of flipping this this narrative on its ear, or flipping the mythology of this on its ear with the pokes at the fandom and the, and the perception of all of what the Matrix was or is or has evolved to be. Obviously, all that takes place in the Matrix. And we, as the movie devolves after that, it doesn't really go there. But there was, yeah, there's a stump happening here. And a worthy one, because th- this is the Wachowskis' baby, for better or worse, and it always should be. And always like I, I would hate for this to be done. Like if this movie was done by a different writer and a hired hand director, just be like, "Hey, Warner Brothers loves the rights to this story so much, we're gonna force a movie out of the studio." You know, kind of like their DC ones, where if this was a studio created fabrication just to squeeze money, like this. As much as they mention that in the film, they mention that in the film too. They
1: they say we're going to make one with with or without you, and I Mm -hmm. think I think because Lana is saying. Well, I commented on that. That's good enough for a social commentary.
0: Now I'll make the yeah. movie they want. That's yeah. that doesn't give it the right no. to be a shitty movie. Sequel. I, yeah, I I, I, can't, I couldn't have I couldn't have said it better than right there. I was stumbling around that idea, but yeah, for for those things to be poked at, which is surprising to me that the studio would let that through. Yeah, you know, right. I'm kind of surprised. Like if yeah, if that is Lana standing up going, look at me, make my movie. And with all of me to it, Uh sure, good job, golf clap, but what do you, you got, oh, fine, you, you, you're opening that place, you've gotten that stump, you've, you've climbed that ladder to be there, what are you going to do with it? And to have what you're going to do with it turn into the lazy and lackadaisical messy thing that it becomes, you, you screwed away your chance, and that's an unfortunate thing. Cause this, could yeah. have, with, yeah. I, we keep saying this could have been something.
1: Well, and now here's my second thing I wanted to bring up. Now okay. we've, I, we've talked a lot in two ways. You and I have talked about a lot of younger critics mm-hmm. fall in love with the visual aspects of film and sometimes get, let the story get a pass. Yeah. Um, we've talked about that. And then also we've talked about a couple of films this year. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've rented the green Knight. I haven't seen it yet, but I, my mm-hmm. impression from you is you think it's Okay.
0: Um, Ah, okay to middling yeah
1: okay so and our and we've talked about dune where Mm -hmm. i've said that i think it's visually stunning but emotionally lacking Mm -hmm. this movie had the potential to be one of those films where it's like hey at least i'll get some matrix-esque elements Mm -hmm. to lift the film up and keep me excited but this movie is directed so bad like it is the action the action is terrible the visual effects are The visual effects are atrocious uh-huh. and there's a couple of interesting things like uh like i said there's visual interesting things throughout like i loved in the end when they have the swarm mode on and mm-hmm. you got all the people that are just jumping out of buildings that was very evocative and interesting mm-hmm. to me like you've got this kind of freaky image of people just jumping out of buildings to the mm-hmm. ground that was interesting but for the most part like all of the matrixy moves like you know where they float on the wall or the Mm -hmm. you know they're shooting guns in slow motion it all felt so labored it was like the camera was too close yes it 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 didn't feel original like they didn't adapt it for like a new time because Mm -hmm. one of the biggest problems with the matrix the original is when you show somebody who hasn't seen it and you watch it it's been replicated and duplicated and copied so much that like the Mm -hmm. original almost feels lame
0: yeah compared yeah.
1: to what's coming for
0: which is this unfortunate one, that no no absolutely their homework there yeah
1: this one with the exception of a couple of neo's abilities like uh i, I do like his ability to kind of like shield he mm-hmm. kind of has like invisible woman powers where he can like shield yeah. stuff
0: but yeah. like but other than seen that, that done and better in other places I mean,
1: exactly the, the, none of the action or visuals not only did it not live up to the matrix like yeah. it couldn't it couldn't top its own like
0: I don't know. Here's another example. Like, but you're but you're right. It's like it's that's it's that undue audience and critics' expectations to, I well no. To me, I think that's you've created. This is the Matrix. You you have this success for a reason. If you can't at least match. Where you've your 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 pedigree or the places you've come from, you got no business making a sequel. So yeah, asking for it to be as revolutionary and huge as the original is asking too much. But you at least got a match. You at least got a match
1: because and this one doesn't. It feels cheaper.
0: It than does. the other ones.
1: It it, it doesn't feel like because that was the cool thing about the first one is I don't know what the first one cost, but it wasn't like no, it
0: was low it tech brilliance. Yeah.
1: It wasn't Marvel Studios where it's like $300 no. million. Like it it, it was relatively simple for a Blockbuster, and they they had to make advancements. Mm-hmm. And the sequ- the sequels, I mean, one could argue in reloaded the highway chase is exhilarating. Oh, it's, it's, it's an awesome. amazing scene. And and even revolutions has some battle stuff in it. it mm-hmm. It's not as cool as the kung fu stuff, but you know, there's battle scenes in the third one. You know, where you got people yeah. in Mexico shooting robots and stuff. That's, That's visually it. cool. Mm-hmm. This one has I can't even think of. I can think of little spots of like the you action said, with singings. the swarm mode.
0: Yeah, little, I'm with you. I I even swarm mode for me isn't great because it feels like a zombie movie. It feels like yeah. World War Z out there yeah Yeah, it's 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 something similar has been done better in other ways but no the the visual oh yeah neo's shielding powers and a little bit of their rooftop chase is okay but i'm with you none of it even comes close or matches places they've been before let alone even sniffing the chance to exceed it, not a chance. The, the
1: closest I think comes to a wow image for me, because none of the action wowed me. There was not Same a single here. thing. The Bored. only thing, the only thing that wowed me was the very end where they're floating. Um, mm-hmm. they're floating in the sky after they jumped off the.
0: When she gets uh, her powers, yeah. When she
1: gets her powers, that's cool. The, the way that looked was really impressive. Like mm-hmm. I liked, cause, like because like. There's always been, it's always been a problem with human characters. I mean, like Iron Man, you believe that he's flying, Mm -hmm. you know, but like when you've got a human character, like in a regular costume or something, it's very hard to show flying. Mm -hmm. And there's always been an element of wires. Like you can just tell there's a wire. It's like the uncanny valley. There's a weightlessness to it. This one seemed pretty organic. Like I was like, wow, they look like they're flying. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll give them that, that little Mm -hmm. shot. Yeah, same here. But yeah, I mean, everything. Nothing, felt- nothing
0: Smith did. I the, and how and this is maybe where they ape themselves too much, and this is where MPH comes in. Where uh, remember how Bullet Time was the in the in the studio meetings of the first twenty minutes, like the big advertised, like the self aware revolutionary thing that they represent, yeah. like Matrix is Bullet Time. So to have MPH come later and supposedly quote unquote modify and evolve bullet time to just being a slower version of him to deliver longer exposition was a bit of a whimpered, whimpered evolution to something that was really cool. Like that wasn't Bullet time that was just slowing things down even slower for you to talk more shit and move things slower. And we've seen Quicksilver and X-Men movies do that better than what the matrix just tried to do again.
1: Yeah. And they, I'm one of the examples I'm thinking of is, you get to that, that point where you go now they're just referencing shit to reference it. Cause like, uh-huh. I remember like mm-hmm. one of the, but before, before game of Thrones went to shit and made me regret watching any of it. Um, there was an episode called battle of the bastards. That was just incredible. Like it was probably one of the most cinematic episodes of TV I'd ever seen. It was exciting, emotional, gory, graphic, insane. Right. Okay. Then two seasons later, there was, there was a line in the show where somebody goes, remember the battle of the bastards and i was like what like you call it that in the show like it would be like in infin- it would be like them calling the thanos stuff the infinity war yeah you know like be like hey remember the infinity war guys yeah. and th- like, this one it's was the like- cool
0: thing about marvel is they never name it the infinity gauntlet or you know it's right. just the gems right. and the thing yeah just yeah, yeah. and this, this one stones, was I like should say. yeah
1: in this one it was like hey Hey, bullet time, guys. Like, you know, like I, yeah. it, it was so Two. stupid. Yeah, it was, I don't know. I just, this movie, like I said, I'm more, I'm getting more angry as I talk about it, but I, I'm more Same tired here. than, I'm more tired than mm-hmm. angry because, um, like I said, this had the potential to mm-hmm. go the Twin Peaks route, where yep. it was like, and it, the worst part about this is, it's one thing <laughs> if you go to a movie expecting something and it doesn't deliver on that at all. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. Like, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm going to get, like, let's take, um, uh, we've talked about this on the show that we haven't released it yet. Like, you know, Halloween Kills, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The first one, Halloween 2018, was a logical reality-based sequel to the 1978 original. But then okay. Halloween Kills, they're like, well, everything we said we were gonna do in that sequel, let's undo that. Like well, let's have no, him definitely. be supernatural and let's have him be crazy and have him kill people. Like you go into the movie expecting more of the same. you expecting more of like the storytelling to be the same. I, I had this problem with um no Time to Die. I think we talked about this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To me, if you put Casino Royale and No Time to Die next to each other, the fa- and, and you can do the right. same thing with the Conneries if you do Doctor No and you only live
0: twice. That's true.
1: The, the fact that you have Casino Royale, which is so grounded and realistic, and then by the end of No Time to Die, you've got a maniacal villain on his own private <laughs> island with uh-huh. a contagion that can kill everybody. Yeah. like I was going into you've the You've come interest. a
0: long way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going into this thinking, okay, maybe this will avoid that problem and set things right, so to speak. Like I said, there's defenders of the sequels, fine. In general, most people agree the first Matrix is great, the sequel sucks. So maybe they would go in, and this is why I'm saying it's a weird complaint for me because I didn't like that they did that with Ghostbusters, but that's a different animal Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because, because everyone saw Ghostbusters 2 and everyone saw the Lady Ghostbusters, blah, blah, blah. The point with this one is I was hoping it would go in and say, let's let's write a little bit of the wrongs. Let's not ignore them, but maybe steer in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And, say, you know, like, let's acknowledge their existence, but let's go back to the basics of what the Matrix is and stuff like that. And instead they went to double down into the extreme level yep. of, hey, this is – our mythology is even crazier now. Like, <laughs> you know, it was – it just, it, it, it's just, it's now at the point where there's really only one truly great Matrix movie. And that's frustrating. And unlike yeah. other films, this movie at least teases you with 20 minutes of like, hey, we're going in a new direction.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then it just it, abandons it.
0: Yeah, I, I'll conclude my thoughts to echo yours where the other layer that makes me tired and gets me angrier the more I think about it to match kind of where you're at is it's that same studio they reference of being Warner Brothers. Like, We've now watched Warner Brothers beat some of their best things into the ground over and over again. Look mm. at the, just the, the progression of the DCEU. I'm not a fan of what they're doing on the MonsterVerse where those movies are just getting worse as they go. Uh, yep. With a small exception here and there, like I think Kong, Kong Sky Island, because you go period and you throw some fun things in there is like the one good one. Whereas the first Godzilla is overly serious. Although it, you're trying to play something different. I'll tip my hat for trying, but then by the time you get to the Godzilla sequel, you're like, Hey, we have this really super ultra serious on Godzilla. We're going to forget all that, bring back the old stuff and mm. just have monsters fight each other over and over again and not be something imposing and mythic. So They've beaten that to the ground after an auspicious start. They've now beaten this to the ground after an auspicious start. One can argue Man of Steel was not a bad start to the DC, but then they've beaten that to the ground by throwing in too many things too quickly with Justice League and, and Batmans and things that just don't mesh and go where repeatedly this studio is just giving me more and more reasons to just, sigh instead of be excited by what they're going to try to do next because they're just going to keep beating things into the ground and i'm and i'm boned because i love these things like i like batman i like superman i like the first matrix a godzilla movie could be really cool but then they just oh they screw it up so bad over and over again another one i could i could see also that
1: i think went to shit was um the Harry Potters. You mm.
0: know, I, I yeah. think those They got I worse. Think, with. They're, they're solid-ish, but they got excessive and lost with time. I mean, you got
1: to the point where you had Alfonso Cuaron directing a wonderful, mm-hmm. beautiful film with the third one. And then it just became a...
0: I, I'll use my Spielberg grid. It got pedestrian. Like, do enough to get the books out and be done. Nothing flashy. And now that they're on Fantastic Beasts, I could give a shit. These are prequels of things that just don't matter
1: well what, what they're is just milking warner,
0: they're milking cash cows now so
1: what is warner brothers jim because they had the I, I, uh, they had the I atrocious space jam movie which was like
0: uh-huh.
1: that's like the ready player one of looney tunes where it was just oh, yeah. like literally like you cannot even focus on the story because there's so much shit going on in the background with all these mm-hmm. licenses and references yeah, yeah you're right the MonsterVerse is a mess it's all over the place
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know what they're doing. I know. And it, it it goes
0: on and on. It's like Clash of the Titans gets weird sequels for no good reason. We can keep doing the Snyderverse stuff. Uh they they've just got what was like what, what are they doing with Sherlock Holmes? With the mm. the, the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes. Uh mm-hmm. there's so many things and then they get a good start and they like The Hangover Overstate is welcome by the time we get to 3 oh, movies. Jesus. Pacific yeah. Rim you got Guillermo del Toro to make a fun movie, but then they beat that thing up with a dumb sequel. And the Lego movie, I feel like, is the next thing to get oh, yeah. too big for its britches and get one sequel too far. We're like, hey, first one's awesome and fun. The Lego Batman's a nice tangent. Let's throw seven hundred Lego movies out there uh, out there next, and then they some them won't work. And, and it just did they, we're like, did oh they, god, there's so many of these shitty movies out there. Did they do Creed? Warner uh Brothers? That's MGM slash Sony, whoever's controlling MGM now. I don't think that was hard Warner Brothers there.
1: So I'm looking at a thing here. It says it's Warner Brothers Entertainment it says Creed. Well, the only reason why is let's say it
0: is. Mm-hmm.
1: Let's say it is because it is a MGM, but I think it's coded yeah, by that, Warner Brothers.
0: Possibly, possibly, yeah.
1: But but the reason why I mentioned that is because the first Creed, you got Ryan Coogler. And you get oh, this you Creed. sure do. You, you get this kind of great almost revisionist history you you bring rocky back i mean Mm -hmm. rocky balboa was a great film i love rocky balboa and it kind of made up for some of the mistakes of like rocky's three through five Mm -hmm. but they resurrect you know stallone they resurrect uh, rocky make him serious again they give you this really heartfelt tale of you know creed coming up and missing a father and all this stuff and then they make creed Mm -hmm. 2 where mm-hmm. it is basically Rocky four part two. And it's yeah. so cheesy it's a and step lame down. Yeah. It's a step down. like, so even that, if if that's Warner brothers, they're doing that. It too. is. Like,
0: yeah. No but one. It, can I'm looking at it a, now. It's Warner brothers co-production. So
1: it, it's like nothing. They can't
0: just mm-hmm.
1: stick to a good thing. Now is Warner brothers. uh will another they, one.
0: The ocean, the ocean's Eleven movies.
1: Yeah. That's, that's a big one too.
0: You do, know, do the, the third one washes it out and then we go back to Ocean's Eight just to have chicks. It's, yeah, come on.
1: Does Warner Brothers own New Line now?
0: They they always did and still do, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I don't know if they always did, but they not in their not in their 80s house that Freddie built days, but okay. the reason why I bring that up is because they have the Middle Earth stuff. And mm-hmm. to me, I know I know there's defenders of it. I loathe the Hobbit films because I think it is a purely Cynical commercial enterprise compared to the passion that's behind the Lord of the Rings. Yeah,
0: I'm one of those defenders. I don't mind the hobby movies one bit.
1: I mean, the book, but it's excessive. Yeah, it's 300 pages and it's a kid's book. Mm -hmm. And they made it three movies because they're like, hey, trilogies are big. Let's stretch Uh this out. Uh Then they also add the nostalgia stuff in there with bringing Legolas back and all this shit. Yeah. So I just I couldn't stand it. But that's another Warner Brothers. That's another one where they cannot leave a good thing alone. Just leave it alone.
0: And I I fear like remember you we both remember this because we both wrote competing articles. We've even had a show on it. As soon as Joker made all the money it did two years ago, all we heard about was when are we going to get a sequel? When are we going to get a sequel? Mm -hmm. And Todd Phillips has done his, his, his abject best to be like, guys, never. That's a one time one hitter else worlds, whatever you want to call it. Movie. I, I, I will not make a sequel of it, but you know that that studio, and you could tell because of the, the hand wringing or the, well, never close the door kind of mentality that comes out of the press releases that they're not going to leave that alone whether they get Joaquin back or not, they're going to try to weave shit into that or watch, just watch this Matt Reeves stuff accidentally. Even if it's studio meddling, get connected to Joker, just because we want to match Ugh. two dark things together and get squeeze one more ounce of life out of the last big hit we had just because they can't, like you said, they can't leave it good and done alone.
1: Well, and oh my God, there's just so many things that just, pop up in my head it's 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 a shame because Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that's the thing yeah dc i mean we've talked about dc at length but Mm -hmm. you know they're not only did they try to replicate marvel too fast but now they're also doing like i know okay all you dc fans out there i know the flashpoint was a comic book story and it existed before and i know all this stuff but like warner brothers and all their dc stuff they're trying their best to if they're not just taking directors halt like in full force from marvel like james gunn mm-hmm. and doing suicide squad then they are just like okay well we need a comedy like ant-man so let's do shazam okay we need more colors so let's do aquaman let's overdo it oh uh multiverse is huge let's do flashpoint now let's bring the mm-hmm. michael keaton back as batman yeah. you know like
0: or and it's like suicide squad let's try it Margot Robbie's character is the only good. Okay, let's make a Birds of Prey movie, but then let's still make a sequel to Suicide Squad. Have none of it connect very tidily. Yeah, it's a, yeah.
1: it's a it's a mess. Warner Brothers is uh-huh. a mess.
0: Mortal Kombat's <laughs> Mortal Kombat's next. Oh, Dune okay, yeah, is next. Because if you're gonna go all the novels of Dune, or try to think you can, like watch Denis Villeneuve be smart, make his two part epic movie, and walk away, and watch Warner Brothers take that and think they can go do. All the books that go with it, and just squeeze a cash cow.
1: It's it's weird because every now and then a broken clock is right twice a day. Not, obviously, yeah. I love I love Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I think that was a sure magnificent non nostalgia trip mm-hmm. uh, extension of the first film in the same universe. So that worked. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to be nice to Warner Brothers here because, you know, they let us see I the know. movies for free.
0: But, <laughs> that's true. You know. But know. but like, <laughs> yeah. you're right. Like the way back, the Ben Affleck basketball movie, nothing that's going to get a sequel. Nice, solid performer. Yep. Judas yep. and the Black Messiah, nice, solid performer. Every now and then, they got a nice little movie. Uh, obviously, they've they've had a super long relationship with Clint Eastwoods. His standalone directorial efforts speak for themselves in a quality standpoint for the most part. They're doing all right. But man it just gets messy yeah
1: and you take you take what you get from i'm not a nolan guy but warner brothers has generally given nolan mm-hmm. carte yep. blanche.
0: i mean well here I'll, I'll get make you scared here's 2022 from from warner brothers here you ready yeah. the batman squeezing a thing longer mm-hmm. another yeah. fantastic beast movie mm-hmm. dc league of super pets the long, the long gestating, the Baz Luhrmann Elvis Presley movie, which looks like a standalone, possible cool different thing. Black Adam, a remake of Salem's Lot. Evil Dead Rise, where we're bringing back the Evil Dead Sam Raimi stuff, but obviously with three different people.
1: Yep, not Bruce so, Campbell. Yep.
0: Yep. The Flash, the sequel to Aquaman, and then we get to 2023, where you're doing a Wonka remake, a Shazam sequel and Dune part two, a color purple remake. Like it's, they just, and then at some point, and then at some point they're still going to keep the Mad Max Furiosa solo movie thing going. So what's original there? And I count like a handful of things and that's it.
1: Yeah. I'm looking at, uh, Warner Brothers on Letterboxd and, and some of my all time favorite movies are Warner Brothers. I mean Heat, Made Runner Forty Nine, The okay. Nice Guys.
0: We're both of- Keaton Batman guys. I'm a Christopher Louis <laughs> Superman guy. Uh, yeah. those all those mid nineties programmers that we talk about with Nick Clement, like the Fugitive and Tango and Cash and like Warner Brothers made hay yeah. making the mid budget stuff we love, but ugh. They've yeah, lost just, their way.
1: I'm looking at they did a lot of Kubrick stuff back in the day. hmm You know. Early Snyder, a lot of a lot of late day Scorsese, which I can take or leave. Yeah, like a lot of.
0: fellas, is a Warner Brothers one. Yeah, stuff yeah, like a that.
1: A lot of uh, prestige Clint Eastwood mid two thousands, LA mm-hmm. confidential. You're right. And they've got the they've got the chops if they want to do it. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. But somewhere it's, along the way, whoever's in charge is like, nope, franchise maximum potential yeah, originality doesn't be, go anymore.
1: They wanted to be Marvel in, mm-hmm. in all ways. They want to be a Marvel Studios and. That is lightning in a bottle. I I don't think, not only do I think that will never, I'm reading a book about Marvel Studios right now. Mm -hmm. Everything that had to happen for that to happen will never happen again. And just the amount of luck and happenstance, that will never happen again.
0: I, I think we have to call the Matrix that too. Like I know everyone goes back in their history books and says 1999 was one of those like essential benchmark years of cinema, and it was like sure. the, that makes the history books 1999, and that was a special time for the Matrix to make its impact and make its mark. But by the time you get post 9/11 for the sequels, it it loses a little bit, and it's going to keep lo- And it, we've shown here 18 years later that it just doesn't have the legs uh we well, we have to go back and go you know what great original I'll I'll sit through the sequels and that's it I'm done but now that we're back ah uh, yeah well
1: and here's another thing I'll just talk about it real quick uh
0: mm-hmm.
1: one thing that I have been <laughs> sorry Warner Brothers, I don't mean to like be piling on you here but this HBO Max deal. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm looking at everything that they've released this year in 2021, or when whenever they started the deal. Was it yeah. 2021?
0: It's tw- I mean, just this past year, yeah.
1: Yeah. So the little things awful. Okay. Judas in the black mm-hmm. messiah, excellent. Yeah. Tom and Jerry, awful. Godzilla versus Kong,
0: awful. Reminiscence uh, isn't good either. Yeah.
1: Mortal Kombat, awful. Mm-hmm. The conjuring the devil made me do it. I've heard is awful. Yeah. In the Heights, fine. I've heard awesome. you love I, that. You I love, love that? It.
0: It'll be in the top 10 when we get to the end of the year, yeah. Space Jam, A New Legacy,
1: awful. <laughs> Suicide Squad, I hated. You kind of liked it, right? Mm-hmm. Reminiscence, awful. Yeah. Malignant has got some legs. I've heard that's pretty good. Uh, Many Saints of Newark, a movie sequel to a TV show that I don't think anyone really wanted except uh, Andrew Grievous. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. uh, <laughs> uh, Dune, mixed reviews, Division. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. King Richard, I liked it, but schmaltzy, I, yeah. schmaltzy, typical ABC storytelling.
0: Right, but th- a, a movie that honestly would be one of those '90s star-driven programmers, if there ever still was that market for it.
1: Yeah, cry macho, atrocious yeah, movie.
0: Yeah, uh, Eastwood's kind of done now. So,
1: "Those Who Wish Me Dead." I did not see, but I, yeah, I see haven't. You. I haven't heard anyone say that it's like phenomenal or anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are putting out.
0: Just- it may- It makes you question who's in charge to have this many lemons all the time. And let's throw in the Zack Snyder Justice League half debacle of like just screwing the screwing the pooch enough to have to put that out egg in their face. So who you you for to have this this long of a chain of big huge money losing screw ups. How, if this was an NFL coach, they'd be fired by now. <laughs> like, how do they keep getting extra passes here? I don't. I, don't know. I, I deep deep pockets. it's who owns them now? It's Time hey. Warner, Discover, Comcast. Like, it, don't they have a parent at this point? Where who's who's signing these checks to be like, yep, whatever?
1: Just well, you know. yeah. That's the thing. I was surprised because when you were saying that Warner Brothers always own New Line, that was definitely not the case because New Line,
0: AT and T owns yeah, Warner Brothers right now.
1: Well, um, because New Line used to be a very uh, legitimate, legitimate, edgy indie Mm -hmm. studio. I mean, they gave Lord of the Rings a shot, you know, when no one else would. uh, Let me look at
0: when New Line got acquired. I know we're stretching our show here, but yeah.
1: No, let's do it. Well, that's the point is at that point, I I think new line, not only did it lose, and this is a Warner Brothers thing too, when you're talking about decisions, right? Mm -hmm. Once new line got eaten up by a major studio or
0: corporation, new line was doing its own thing. Kind of a s like it was a it was a division little side thing, the way like Miramax technically, when you think about it, Miramax was parented by Disney and doing all the edgy stuff on the side. Um, this was officially merged with Warner Brothers and ended his days in 08. But yeah. since 94, it was acquired by uh Turner. Turner Broadcasting bought it in 94. Turner merged it with Time Warner as the side stuff in 96. So pre-96, you're right. New Line was doing its own edgy things. Between 96 and 08, it was always parented by Warner.
1: Right. So I guess my point is It's when it got
0: bigger, though. You're right.
1: Right. New Line lost its identity when it got gobbled up into that thing. Yes, it did. And and New Line kind of lost its—it went from being the house that Freddie built where they could make— Whatever mm-hmm. they wanted, because they were successful taking chances. To
0: now, New Line is just another, yeah, student, like brand name you can throw on stuff. And that's and, that's that's Lord of the Rings success because yeah, ninety before it was like they had their loses losses to like Island of Doctor Moreau, Long Kiss Goodnight, okay. Austin Powers did okay on the side, but yeah. that was the small scale things they were up to until Lord of the Rings right. showed up.
1: Yeah, and so I think the same thing's happening at Warner Brothers, where it's like, Warner Brothers has become, I mean, when you talk about, like, the, you know, the greatest studios of all time, Warner Brothers is definitely in the conversation. Top
0: three. has. But
1: but it's become such a corporate entity. Mm -hmm. It's a mess. And tying this into Matrix and DC and all this stuff, it's become, it's trying to be something that it isn't anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. it's trying to be something that it, it shouldn't be. And it's giving us not only all these awful HBO Max movies, but you get something like The Matrix where it's like, you know, you you just, it has the opportunity to change the game again, like the original Mm -hmm. Matrix is, and it just doesn't, it just, it just fails to, they didn't know who they wanted to impress. The shareholders, the fans. You know, the director mm. or if anyone wanted to say fuck you to all of them, the Matrix, I, I just have to say is probably one of the biggest failures of the year at this point. I, I just can't I, I yeah. can't give it any other credit than
0: that. <laughs> I, I'm with you there. And box office wise, I I hear it's underperforming. Obviously sure. it's not gonna make Spider Man money, but yeah, like I think it's at like sixty five million. You know that movie costs more than sixty five million, so it's probably sure. taken a lump. So
1: doesn't look like it. No, it sure doesn't. Really Let me get
0: cheap. a budget here. It has grossed over sixty nine million, but the budget is hundred and ninety million dollars. Good oh, it was? lord!
1: Oh, oh, I was looking at. Uh, I accidentally typed in the Matrix, and mm-hmm. the Matrix. Here's the budget for the Matrix: sixty three million.
0: That's that's the original hefty, hefty, but and, to, and even in hefty for its time, still modest by normal standards. Yeah, Whereas look at 190, well, Look what 190 million buys you now, shoddy and crappy. So whew, yeah, throwing yes. money down the drain right there. Yikes! Hey, at t must like bouncing chicks.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, that is our hour-long conversation on the <laughs> history of Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema with a dash. <laughs> a dash. Of Matrix Resurrections. Yeah. But really, if there was anything worth talking about, we would have talked about it more. But really, it's, this is a failed opportunity. And almost on every facet level, from storytelling, visuals, uh, ideas, marketing, Mm -hmm. everything is just a failure on every point. I agree. Yeah. Anyways. So on that note, follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fit and on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast. Also find us both on Letterboxd. Thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a 25YL media podcast brought to you by RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes. If you enjoyed this show, excuse me, I had gas, I had to burp. We have more where that came from with interesting hosts and wonderful guests, all available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite show.
0: know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself. Well, now you don't have to. Hang out with Ruminations of Redrum, all things horror, from movies to the latest spooky games we've played. Come hang out, but hurry. The killer's behind you!